Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and it is now the 10th day of January. Is it already the 10th day of January 2017? We're already 10 days in this year, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this for Sully Baseball Studio. In Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Belvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. Hey, it is pretty soon we're going to have the results of the Hall of Fame election are going to be known. Uh, it looks more and more like... I, it, I think it's trending towards there's going to be at least two in this year, and it probably won't be any first-time balloters. It probably won't be Pudge Rodriguez in there. probably won't be Manny Ramirez in there. probably won't be uh, Vlad Guerrero in there. But it's looking more and more like, thank goodness, Tim Raines is going to get in the Hall of Fame. And it also looks like it'll probably be Jeff Bagwell be in the Hall of Fame. For those of you who know me, and I know I do, um... I've been up and down on the Bagwell candidacy, but if he gets elected to the Hall of Fame, I'll be like, all right, congratulations, Jeff Bagwell. Now the failure of the Larry Anderson trade for the Red Sox is complete. You know, I'm really getting to the point in terms of the Hall of Fame that I have a hard time being angry about anyone who can get elected in. Even someone like Trevor Hoffman, who I've been talking about for a while that I do not think is a Hall of Famer. But if he got elected, okay. I just don't happen to agree with it. There's a couple of Hall of Famers I don't agree with. I don't necessarily agree with Don Sutton. I don't necessarily agree with Bruce Souter. I'm becoming less and less enthralled with Catfish Hunter. Not that I think any of them were bad players. I just think for some of them, they had wonderful peaks that weren't long enough. I think that's Catfish. I think that's Bruce. And for Don Sutton, I think it's kind of the opposite. It's just few elite seasons and a lot of compiling. But, I mean, I don't, I'm not mad that Don Sutton's in there. I'm not mad that Catfish is in there. I'm not mad that Bruce Souter's in there. You know, it's just not necessarily be the ones I would have voted for, but fine. They all had wonderful careers. They're in the Hall of Fame. Good for them. Good for them. Yeah, I mean, as I, I won't belabor this point, but it's, you know, Tom Yawkey's in the Hall of Fame. He did nothing but horrible things to the game of baseball and is a terrible person. All right, so I'm not going to go bananas if I felt that Trevor Hoffman blew too many big games. And if you're a specialist, you know, if you're a specialist getting into the Hall of Fame as a reliever, you have to be extraordinary. And, I, and, and somebody who knows me, and I know I do, I love closers. I wanted to be, that was my fantasy as a kid, to come in and be the closer and to knock it out. But I'm really tough on closers as a Hall of Fame vote. And I think that probably you can make a case for uh, Eckersley, Fingers, Gossage, Hoyt Wilhelm, Rivera. I think those are the five in history that I say, yep, yeah, those should represent the relief pitchers in the Hall of Fame. Now, you have Suter in there. Uh, I think Dan Quisenberry has a more compelling case than Suter. But, you know, fine. Someone may not agree with Gossage, and someone may be able to 
talk me off the cliff about Gossage one way or the other. But the fact of the matter is right now, I think that, and that's in history. And that's in all time, I think four or five tops for that role. I think they're the best. I think they're the ones who defined the position. So I think that that's what you know separates them apart. I don't think Hoffman defined shit. Sorry, Ray's son, I swore. But, I mean, it, it, with that in mind, I'm not going to get mad. I think Billy Wagner had a more impressive career than Trevor Hoffman, but you know, what do I know? What do I know? So, you know, when you take a look, I, I'm a large hall guy. I want players in there. I want players who represent the game of baseball and history of baseball in the Hall of Fame. That's why I want Bonds in there. I want Clemens in there. You know, you, I mean, I'll listen to the argument for Sosa. You know, I mean, say what you want about Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, and a lot has been said about it. But that year was fun. And it brought a lot of people back to the game. And put a lot of money in people's back pockets. And for a lot of people, that was the first real magical moment they had following baseball. So, ah, if you want to vote for Sosa, you know, I'll listen to it. An interesting thing about the Hall of Fame, but I do believe I've talked about this already, but I'm bringing it up again. There are no Colorado Rockies in the Hall of Fame. And by that, I mean not just like we're talking about Dante Bichette or something like that, who you remember and is best remembered as a member of the Rockies. I'm talking about someone who even played a game or two. You know, kind of like how, you know, Steve Carlton is a giant because he played a, like four or five games with the Giants in 1986. Or the way that uh, Joe Morgan is an Oakland A or, or that um, Steve Carlton is a Minnesota twin. I said Steve Carlton twice there, didn't I? Do another, take another example. Hey, Babe Ruth, a Boston Brave. If you look at the back of Steve Carlton's baseball card, he spent the majority of his career mainly with St. Louis and then with Philadelphia, and then just got bounced around San Francisco, the White Sox, the Indians, the Twins, picked up another World Series ring along the way because he's got a cup of coffee with the Twins. But still, no one even did that for a minute with the Rockies. Now, Dale Murphy came close. He played the he finished his career with the Colorado Rockies, and stayed on the ballot for a billion years, but never got over the hump. Never got into the, the Hall of Fame. Fell short. And I, I made a plea on, on Twitter that the Rockies should make a trade for Ichiro. Because you know, Ichiro's going to the Hall of Fame. We all know Ichiro's going to the Hall of Fame. And I believe he deserves to get into Hall of Fame as a, as a, as a pioneer and also as a you know, 3,000 hit man. Starting his career, starting at age 27. You know, so, and, and if he comes in, he's going to go to the Hall of Fame. We already know he's going to go to the Hall of Fame. So uh, trade for him. Make a deal with the Miami Marlins. And so you know you'll have at least one representative in the Hall of Fame wearing a... Uh, Colorado Rockies, or having not, maybe not having the hat on the plaque, but somewhere on the plaque it says Colorado. Kind of like the first Tampa Bay Ray to get there, you know, to be elected into the Hall of Fame was Roberto Alomar. 
who spent about an hour and a half in Tampa. But, you know, and so that way we you know, can have some Rocky representation. But there is a name on the ballot that is up for voting and is up for scrutiny and for someone who had significant time in Colorado. In fact, he played all over part of 10 seasons in Denver, and that's Larry Walker. Now, I never really thought long and hard about Larry Walker's uh, uh, candidacy. And I think because in some ways I fell into some of the traps, but I don't know if they're necessarily traps. You know, the fact that he played in an era where stats were inflated, and they were. It was the proverbial steroid era. Am I saying Larry Walker took steroids? No, I'm not. I'm saying it was the era. It was the era where numbers were going through the roof. And the fact that he was playing a big chunk of his career in a non-humidor-aided course field where a check swing broken bat would go into the upper deck, it sure probably made a lot of people, including myself, kind of tilt their head like the RCA dog when you take a look at the wonderful stats. And there has to be a way to kind of look at these stats and sort of compare and contrast and sort of look at them through certain filters. Because Larry Walker had an undeniably wonderful career. Now, he was, he's Canadian, still is, and broke in with Montreal and was part of the wonderful 1994 Montreal Expos team that looked like they were destined to go to at least, at least to the postseason and maybe deep into the postseason. And in that 1994 season, he was terrific in Montreal, leading the league in doubles. Uh, he had an OPS of, of 981, hit 19 homers, batted 322, and was a, was a wonderful player in Montreal. A few years prior, cracked the top five in the MVP, was considered a gold glove outfielder, was a star in Montreal, and then they dismantled the team, and he found himself in Colorado. And in Colorado, like everyone, his numbers just shot through the roof. Uh, twice leading the league in OPS, batting 379 one year, batting 363 one year. All, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six times his OPS was over 1,000. He was an elite player for about, I don't know, seven or eight seasons. He was one of the best hitters in baseball. He was doing it in course. And for a lot of people, that's going to be a big, big hurdle to climb. Remained an outstanding defender. Remained a wonderful all-round hitter. This was just not a swing from his heels beer league home run hitter. I mean, he was a tremendous all-around hitter. Did he play in a hitter's park? Absolutely he did. When I go to BaseballReference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth, one of the players that he is has a... Uh, Similar, when they have the similarity scores, one of the people that is listed with him is Chuck Klein, who's in the Hall of Fame, and basically tailored his swing for the Baker Bowl when he played in the for the Philadelphia Phillies in the 30s and 40s, and he just took aim at that short right field fence and got a bunch of hits and got a bunch of homers and got a big padded stats in his life. Got himself into the Hall of Fame. Chuck Klein's name comes all is all over Larry Walker's page. 
in terms of similar scores. Some of the other similar batters include Miguel Cabrera, who's a Hall of Famer, Duke Snyder, who's in the Hall of Fame, Joe DiMaggio, which may catch you off guard, but remember DiMaggio only played 10, 11 seasons, um, Johnny Mize, who's in the Hall of Fame, several players who are Hall of Famers, and other players who are, you know, borderline Hall of Famers. Um, Jim Edmonds, Vladdy Guerrero, and then you have the lights of Moises Alou, Ellis, Bur- I mean, Ellis Burks, a bunch of very good hitters, some Hall of Famers, some not. And I think because he is on teetering on the cusp, and the fact that he never cleared some of those great milestones like the 3,000 hits or the 400 home runs, despite playing 10-plus seasons in Colorado, may make people, and has probably affected some of my view of his stats and career, look a little askance, a little asconced, a little askanced of the career of Larry Walker. If he gets in, that's not a technicality. That's not sneaking in something. He'd probably have a damn CR on his helmet and the uh, on the plaque that he has in the Hall of Fame. Maybe it'll be turned around like when he turned around his helmet when facing Randy Johnson in the All-Star game that one year. And of course, he later went to the St. Louis Cardinals and played very well in the postseason and helped them get to the World Series in 2004 and to the League Championship Series in 2005. He was not there for 2006, so he never got his ring. But he did get to play in the World Series. Had a wonderful career. And like the other candidates I mentioned, if he gets in, I'll be like, well, look at that. Another 94 Expo, along with Pedro's in the Hall of Fame. And the Colorado Rockies finally have their guy. They have their guy in the Hall of Fame. That would be a Rocky in the Hall of Fame. Now, would he necessarily be the first on my ballot? I don't know. This is a real crowded ballot. Partly because of the idiocy of not voting for players in certain years. The fact that we're still debating Tim Raines after 10 years. There's a lot of players who just should have been taken off the ballot a few years ago because of how good they are, but we're still kicking them around like the proverbial soccer ball or pushing the peas around the plate. You know, in fact, we're still debating Bonds and Clemens. Of course Larry Walker is not going to have the clear-cut case. But, again, if he gets in, great. I'll tell you who I think has a more compelling case. Maybe doesn't have the, you know, because he plays a position that's more, uh, that isn't the challenging defensive position that right field is. I believe Todd Helton's going to get into the Hall of Fame. I think he has, in some ways, a more compelling case than Walker, partly because he played in Coors after the Humidor era. There was a little bit of overlap in their career. Uh, Helton's rookie year was the year that Larry Walker won the MVP in 1997. The year that... uh, Helton had in the year 2000 was better than any year that Walker, I think any player in Colorado Rockies history ever had. And for God's sakes, I mean, he just led everything across the board, whether you like advanced metrics, traditional metrics, he did everything. You like batting average, he led the league in 372. You like OPS, he led the league with uh, 1.162. Do you like war? Well, he had the highest war for position players. I mean, just across it, you know, slugging, on base, runs batted in, doubles, hits, no matter where you stand on 
statistics, whether it's traditional or advanced or sabermetrics or whatever, Todd Helton killed it in 2000. So naturally, he finished, drumroll please, fifth in the MVP voting because the Rockies were bad. And of course, the mindset being, well, how good, how valuable could he be? How valuable could he be? If the Rockies didn't win, what value did he really have? That's right, his value diminished because the Rockies couldn't pitch. The MVP came down to Jeff Kent that year, who I would argue wasn't even the MVP of his team because he played with Barry Lamar Bonds. Now, of course, there'll be no debate over what kind of cap Todd Helton would have because he played 17 seasons, count them, 17 years as a Colorado Rocky. And like Larry Walker, one of the things that helps him the most in this case is not necessarily the milestones that he passed. He never, like Larry Walker, he didn't get to 4,000. I didn't get to, the, didn't get to 3,000 hits. He didn't get to 2,600 hits. He didn't get to 400 home runs. And a lot of these milestones are, well, you know, Christ's sake, the guy's playing in Coors Field. Why couldn't he get more? The consistent play he did year in and year out. You know, he should have won the MVP or at least finished higher than fifth in 2000. But, like, just the reliability, yeah, this guy's OPS is going to be over 1,000. This guy's batting average is going to be over 340. This guy's going to hit 30 home runs. This guy's going to get, you know, play 150-some-odd games each and every year. And when you take a look at some of the, his similarities, again, you see the likes of Guerrero Bagwell. You see Orlando Cepeda. You see Jim Rice. You see his teammate Larry Walker. You see Miguel Cabrera. You see that he's on that level of maybe not the upper-tier great Hall of Famer like a Willie Mays, but still a solid all-around Hall of Fame case. I, I, this could be just my feelings about the pre-humidor and post-humidor world in course. How overrated is that? I'm not 100% sure. But I think that Helton has a very compelling and, and I think a strong argument for making it to the Hall of Fame. And, I, you know, you can yell at me all you want. I think it's a little more compelling than Walker's. But again, with either one, I'm fine with it. And the good thing for the Rocks is, even though I made the crack about they should trade for Ichiro Suzuki, I believe they will soon have two Hall of Famers and two Hall of Famers that they can really embrace as their own. Now, it's a, sometimes a very dumb thing to try to project a Hall of Fame career early on. Hell, someone like a Fred Lynn, or a Tim Lincecum, or a Dwight Gooden, or a Nomar Garcia Parra all look like surefire Hall of Famers. All they had to do was keep on piling up the numbers over the years, and they'll get there. And of course, we saw that you know, injuries or off-the-field issues derailed every one of those careers I just mentioned. And they all had wonderful careers, to be sure, but they're on the path to be Hall of Famers. And the Rockies, of course, had a player who looked like he may have been on the path to the Hall of Fame, Troy Tulowitzki, and a series of injuries and trading him off to the Blue Jays. And, you know, he's not going to be in the Hall of Fame. 
unless he converts to like being a first baseman and plays another 10 years and hits another 300 home runs and, you know, basically does what happened with Robin Yount's career, who started off as a shortstop and eventually moved to the outfield and prolonged his career by another decade. Unless Tulowitzki pulls a Robin Yount, um, he's not going to be a Hall of Famer. But just an early watch, an early Freddie Lynn watch to Nolan Arenado. And I'll tell you why. He's, you know, I think if you're a Hall of Famer, there's got to be either two major criteria. Either you were an elite player for a decade. And not like, you know, here and there for a decade. I mean, for 10 years, you put up, if you put up 10 elite seasons, I think, you know, we got to really look at you as a Hall of Famer. Not very good. Like, you're one of the best. You're the best in your position in baseball. You're one of the best in the game. That's why someone like, you know, Mike Trout, I believe is halfway there. He is halfway there to the Hall of Fame. And I believe at this point, if he just piles up the numbers, and that's the other way, if you wind up hitting a bunch of milestones, you know, along the way, uh, I think that, you know, that those, once you start adding up the big numbers and you're passing the milestones and you're passing some of the barriers, I think that's another argument. If you, one of those two criteria, I put a lot more weight on the 10 elite seasons than compiling. You know, as I pointed out, a player like Harold Baines, who's a fine player, had a wonderful career, but was never an elite player, was never a, you know, one of the superstars. He was just a good, solid, reliable player. But if he got five or six more hits every year he played, just a hit here or a hit there every year, he would have reached 3,000 hits and he'd be in the Hall of Fame. And I don't think of him as a Hall of Fame player. Which brings us to one player right now, which is Nolan Arenado, who I believe already has two of those seasons under his belt. I think the season he had in 2015 and the season he had last year were two elite seasons. He didn't get the press and he didn't get the attention that he would get elsewhere because, not just because he's in Colorado, but because you know, the team stinks. There was, no, there was no reason to watch the Rockies over the last couple of seasons. But again, no matter what, do you like old stats? you like traditional stats, leading the league in home runs and runs bad in the last couple of years? you like slightly more advanced stats? The fact that his, you know, his OPS was at 932 and is leading the league in total bases each of the last couple of years? you like the sabermetrics world? You know, he had the, uh, the um, where, were the, where the hell was it? He, I believe he, did he lead the league in war? I can't remember. Uh, no, he's second in the league in war. You know, you like defense? Well, he won a gold glove each of the last couple of years, and all the advanced step metrics in defense, which I can't figure out, but, you know, if you take a look at range factor, total zones, double plays turn, range factor, game at third base, all these different um, defense, you know, all these different base out wins added that I don't understand leading the league as a third baseman. So he has two of those years under his belt. And, and if I were the Rockies, it would behoove him to sign him to a long-term deal. So he gets his 10-some-odd years in a Rocky uniform. By the way, have you noticed the Rockies have had a bunch of players who have played 8, 9, 10 years in Rockies uniform? Car Carlos Gonzalez is one of them. Andres Galarraga is one of them. Helton is one of them. Walker is one of them. There have been a bunch of Rockies. If you're a Rocky fan, you haven't had a many great years, but you've had a bunch of players you can call your own. 
And now they got Arenado, who's one of the best players in baseball, had a compelling case to be the MVP last year, and has two of those elite seasons under his belt already. That means he's got eight more to go, and eight is a lot more than two. You know, he's only 20% of the way to the Hall of Fame. But keep an eye on him. Keep an eye on him. I know he could be a Freddie Lynn. He could be a Nomar. But he could be one of those players who are like, I'll be darned. Arenado. I'll tell you who he could be like. He could be like Adrian Beltre, who snuck up on all of us. Adrian Beltre was having a good, solid career, a nice career. And he was a young kid coming up from L.A. And, oh, here he is. Oh, now he's playing here in Texas. And, oh, yeah, he's had a nice career. He's nice. He's a nice player. That He's a very nice player, that Adrian Beltre. And then you look up and say, wait a minute. He's a Hall of Famer. I didn't even realize that. And now he is. He's put up a Hall of Fame career. He could catch you off guard, and that could be exactly who Nelson Arenado is. Is it Nelson Arenado? It's Nelson Arenado. I can't believe I nearly mispronounced his name. Nolan Arenado. Oh, my God. Why did I call him Nelson? It's Nolan Arenado. That's how bad it is. I'm sitting here singing his praises, and I got his goddamn name wrong. Ray, I'm sorry, but I had to say it. So, there you go. Colorado fans, you can pull my little scheme of picking up Ichiro and getting that first Hall of Famer in there. But do you know what? I don't think you're going to have to do that. I think you're going to have Hall of Famers. Now, will the Rockies ever win the World Series? Yeah, they probably will eventually. Eventually, it'll all come together one year. Will it do so with this front office? No, probably not. This front office is bananas. Is it going to happen this year? I doubt it. But maybe somewhere along the way, it will. And Colorado fans and your wonderful sports fans in Colorado, mainly your Bronco fans, I know that, but you know what? It's fine. It's fine. You'll, when the Rockies were in the World Series, you were loving it. And you'll love it again. And eventually you'll have a great day, whether it's Larry Walker representing the Blake Street Bombers or Todd Helton representing Rocktober in your first ever pennant or Nolan Arenado representing your first championship. You're going to have a fun day at Cooperstown one of these days. But until then, I'm going to be doing a podcast Every single day. So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Hey, I'm talking about the Rockies in the middle of January. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 10th day of January 2017. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.